today I'm interviewing Ainsley Grosser, which is just an amazing mix engineer. He's worked with some of my favorite artists for King and Country, The Afters, We the Kingdom, which are one of our favorites too. So, but I mean, you can go down and check out his uh, all music page and the list goes on and on and on. <laughs> so he's just worked with some of the best in the industry and, and I thought I'd get him on here and ask some questions about mixing and career stuff. And uh, yeah, thanks yeah. so much for joining, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, my pleasure. Well, dude, hey, where, where are you from? You're from Australia, right? I am. I, uh, a little short back story. I was born in Perth and my parents were mission, became missionaries at 10 months old to India. Wow. We went and lived, we lived in India basically around Calcutta for about three years. Um, and wow. then we moved back to uh, Perth and Western Australia and for the rest of my life until I pretty much moved here to the States in 2000. Wow. So, what yeah. was that transition like getting from Australia to Nashville? You know, I was very, very blessed by the, um, I had done concert promoting in Australia mm -hmm. uh, for fun. <laughs> yeah, and I worked with uh, a guy called David Smallbone, who is for King and Country's dad and Rebecca St James' dad. Some people don't realize okay. they're yeah, they're wow. all fam it's all the same family. Well, I worked with their dad when those kids were all little, doing concert oh. promotions in uh, in my state, um, and uh, so when my life came to a bit of a crossroads, I interacted with David. Um, Actually, they were on tour in Australia and I bumped into him and he said, uh, hey, why don't you um, come and work on running a label for me? We always got on well. You always did well. Mm -hmm. And Because um, I had said to him, hey, my life's kind of a loose end if there's anything you got going on. Yeah. Um, so he invited me and I came. And so, like I say, I had a leg up. I went and stayed at their house. Then they actually... Um, bought a house for me to set a studio up in wow. in Franklin and so I did that until uh, the city kicked me out because uh, apparently you can't be a tenant and have a studio in a house you have to be an owner uh, that, that's Williams, Williamson County code is uh, is pretty intense because there's so many people with studios in Williamson yeah. County so um, so that's how I got here was they basically sponsored me. And then I actually won a green card in a lottery, wow. uh, which, which enabled me to stay um, in a permanent way. So, wow. yeah, yeah, I know a bit of that process, you know, I'm, I'm from Canada. So I had right, to go through the right. whole green card <laughs> deal and uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Uh, quite the deal. You know, it's an, it's a long it process is. too, you know? It is. Well, and then, you know, I got married and became a citizen, not based on marriage, based on um, my own path in 2007. So yeah, I've had, to, I've had the fun of voting in many elections and uh, uh, learning things from an American citizen's perspective. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. That's awesome, man. <laughs> in fact, oh, check this out. Uh, oh, dude, look things. at that. <laughs> Got, got my American flag uh, yeah. favors on. <laughs> Full on American citizen now, man. That's killer. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's great. Well, dude, how did you get into mixing then? Um, great question. Um, kind of by accident. A lot of people mm -hmm. 
I've bumped into, it's kind of a very intentional thing. It's the thing they wanted to do. Yeah. But um, I always loved the mix part of the process. And, you know, when I was in Australia, I produced a lot of records and worked on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, in fact, my studio had uh, lots of clients, including uh, Paul Mabry, which is, you know, one of oh, the wow. more fam- famous Aussies here in the Christian music business, producer Crazy. of Lauren Daigle. Uh, his first band recorded their studio at my studio, recorded their records at my studio in Perth. Wow. Anyway, um, I always loved the mix process. And of course, in those days, uh, mixing wasn't what it is today. It wasn't in the box. There was no way of doing it in the box. It was mm-hmm. all reel-to-reel tape machines and big consoles. Yeah. And so, you know, I started out working with other mixers on SSLs and, well, that was my preferred place to be was yeah. at the SSL. So we, in those days, it was much easier to, well, it wasn't easy. It was much more expensive actually, yeah. but you would book out the, you'd book out the SSL room for a day and they give you, it's 24 hours. Like we'd get there at six in the morning and leave the next day at six in the morning. Like, wow. you know, no, no sleep, just work through and make, we'd mix an entire record. Cause that's what our budget was. Wow. Uh, you know, um, but of course, you know, the production has moved so fast since those days. So anyway, how I got into mixing, that was my introduction to it. And that was when I loved it. And of course, I was in that bit deep in that mix process because I was, in those days, I didn't know what a producer was. I had no idea what the terms were. Yeah, yeah. I just, um, but I, I was producing the records and uh, and obviously the producer has a large impact in the mixing. So anyway, come um, come to America. I'm working yeah. on this label. We get records done. Uh, I'm, I'm A&Ring records. That's basically what I'm doing. Well, wow. I'm pretty much doing everything, but I'm A&Ring um, some records. And we have had the records mixed. The budget is used. Yeah. And the principle of the label is like, yeah, this isn't enough. We, it needs mm. to be better than this. Yeah. And I'm like, what, we, we already spent the money on some big name mix guys. And I'm like... I had worked in the music business my entire life. I'd worked in music stores. I was, I had sold professional audio equipment to recording studios and I'd done mixing myself. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to dig in. I've got time. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, I know it's in the box. I can just keep recalling it and keep recalling it and make it better, 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 better until eventually everybody's happy. And that's what I did. And I guess that's been my modus operandi ever since um, is, oh, Oh, you know, and, and I guess, the first song that I mixed for our label ended up doing very well at radio. And then I started getting calls from other people to wow. mix things. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I love <laughs> to mix. I'll, I'll do it, whatever. And wow. uh, so I never really, like I say, I mean, and I come from Australia where we're very self deprecating and don't yeah. have high self opinion. So I never, <laughs> I never really charge. I never really charge big bucks. It's almost like, Hey, I'll do it. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to pay me. I'm not. I'm no big name. Um, <laughs> but you know, as time went by, I realised that you know I've got to live. So yeah, so it ended up be, becoming a professional thing, and I got so many calls. That's all I could do. Um, and so yeah, but as I say, through that whole time, I'd produced many records in my own studio in Australia, and had really advanced the in the box. You know, I had a big console in my studio, but Pro Tools. Paris was another system uh-huh. um, and then Logic Audio started coming out and so 
these systems enabled you to mix in the box. And I was absolutely thrilled by that because I liked the idea of living those 24 hour days that we spent on the SSL console. I have listened to those records and, and I think, Oh, if only I'd been aware, I listened to my gut on certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always those things you wish you could change. So having yeah. recall, I was able to change, go back in history and change things. So wow. I was so thrilled with that. So I was one of the first guys in this town in Christian music to really have any success within the box. Wow. You know, I kind of, I kind of, I don't know if I pioneered. I mean, lots of people were doing it, but you adopted but in it music, early. Yeah, you adopted it. I was it a early, very, like. very early adopter. Yeah. You know, we had our, I had my first radio hit in 2001 and it was Pro Tools. I mean, it wasn't even, HD had just come out. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it was early days. It didn't sound anywhere near as good as it does now. Yeah. Um, but, but I always, as I said to people, I think the ability to recall, revisit, refine the creative, oh, yeah. the feeling of it kind of, outweighed the possible sonic advantage of Mm -hmm. all this analog gear and now i don't think there's the sonic advantages even there at all um but you have recall full recall and my other problem with analog studios and i'm going off on a tangent no i love this keep going man this is is great (laughs) is that you know a lot of people refer to the sonic warmth and you know the distortion the, the harmonic distortion and this kind of grunge and crunch and everything that it brings but you know i'm the guy that the first time i heard pro tools record and replay an acoustic guitar i'd never heard an acoustic guitar sound like that wow. you couldn't get it to sound like that on analog tape it, it it couldn't sound like that on analog tape because distortion was on everything and it's wow. like i would say an analog recording was like putting a set of glasses, tinted glasses on everything. Wow. You didn't have a choice. Now in the box, we've got all those different glass tints we can put on each track. And you, you take know, them back we can off add too. the colors. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can add the colors and take them off. It's not, you yeah. don't have to commit the color. Um, that's not to say, I mean, obviously so much of the plugins are uh, trying to get that analog modeling. But now yeah. you have the choice. And yeah. the, other, the other thing I always had the problem with was with tape specifically was the noise floor. Mm. You know, it added up. It added up when you've got a lot of tracks, especially when you started molting. So I think a lot yeah. of new people getting into the business are enamored by these amazing pieces of tech. Because I will say this, a big console and lots of outboard gear is so much more glamorous yeah, oh yeah. So much more glamorous. <laughs> it's it, you walk into that room and you're like, man, I've hit the big time. This stuff yeah. is amazing, right? But <laughs> yeah. but I don't want to work that way at yeah. all. When it actually comes down to the rubber hitting the road, mm. right now, here, I'll show you my studio. Yeah, this man. Is, I I'm in the middle of finishing up um, a for King and Country live DVD. Mix oh, of, nice, man. And this is my studio right there that's it <laughs> that's beautiful man. a little a little uh uad box yeah and my laptop and on the back of my laptop is the breakout box oh that's drive. cool i've just velcroed them to the back nice. because you know obviously another part of my story in recent times is going full-time rv and so i yeah. really i really kind of refined mobile mixing and i'll tell you i don't want to go back 
I do not want to go back into a room. I am about to go back into a room, uh-huh. but but I love like I often sit out here on the deck mixing or even by the pool. Oh, it's incredible. Before before COVID, I would go to coffee shops and mix right there. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I saw that on your Instagram. Where, where I could be. Yeah, yeah, I saw that on your Instagram, like editing or whatever in a coffee shop and mixing. I mean, yeah. that is just crazy. Oh, yeah. And and the way you know computers are so powerful now, it's you can really do what you need to do, and it's it's a non-issue now. So it's incredible. Yeah, man. it really is. Yeah, I I often say to people, it's not the technology, and and to anybody starting out. It's not the tech that makes you good. No. I mean, you can buy you can buy Logic Pro or whatever it's called these days for 200 bucks. And the power in that mm. is multiple times what I was mixing on an SSL, you know, with a 24 track reel to reel or 32 track reel to reel. You're way in front. I mean, you've got yeah. compression, EQ, effects for days, you've got all of that stuff. Yeah, but any any kid can buy that program. It's not. It's it's even not just knowing or understanding how to use it. Although that is a huge piece. It's it's stepping back from the tech and listening to the music and uh-huh. the feelings of the music that actually matter the most. I've worked mm-hmm. on some records like um, one act that really kind of slapped me in the face with this where I would get too deep into the tech uh, or, or would break preconceptions was uh, mute math. Okay. Mm. So Ted T who I worked with many times, of course, with Booking and country and many other acts over the years. Um, Britt Nicole is one of the favorite ones I did with him uh, back in the day. But uh, I listened to that mute math record and it was so distorted and it wasn't, analog distortion it was digital distortion which one it was the first mi- one was it the first the, big one yeah the big one that everybody loves yeah yeah was 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 largely mixed now i didn't work on that record i didn't start working with ted until after that record was out uh-huh. but i did do the live version of that record where they uh-huh. recorded in a club in new orleans or somewhere like that yeah and uh i think i think it was it was released on dvd mm. and um you know, of course, the great thing about doing live records for me is you've always got the original record to kind of make sure it equals that or betters that in terms of uh, the sonic quality and the energy, mm. you know. So I would be referring to that and I'm like, this thing, this thing is so clipped. And, <laughs> the you know, Paul Meany, who's an absolute genius, the guy, the lead guy from um, Mute, Mute Math. Yeah largely mixed that inside an old Roland 2408, I think it was. I don't even know that it's 16-bit. It might be 24-bit. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> the digital technology was not what it is today. Wow. And But what he got was a feeling. A vibe, yeah. And the, the feeling far surpassed what a purist engineer, which is what I saw myself as, somebody who prided good sonic paths it was way beyond that there were no good sonic paths in his Mm. mixing it was all crushed and destroyed (laughs) and it added up to this amazing feeling and i i remember back in the day and this is kind of well the internet was out the world wide web had happened but 
uh, Rec Pro, Rec.pro.audio Rec. Audio was a discussion board, and a lot of the big engineers of the day were on there. And they would, I, I remember one particular comment saying, It sounds awful, but I love it. <laughs> you know, and I, I've always carried that. And, and, and Ted would say, Oh, yeah, we use this plugin on Logic. Some of it was mixed in Logic, some of it was mixed on that thing. Uh, you know, you've got to put some distortion on the hi hat. And I'm like, What? In that, this was a completely foreign concept to me. I'm like, what? Because I, I'd come from SSL and from that kind of thing where you're fighting, you're trying to minimize the effects of distortion. His distortion yeah. was on everything. Yeah. And now he's saying, you're going to put it on? What? <laughs> so I just kept getting head spins. I kept getting head spins from things, from people that had no or little engineering pedigree. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know what question you asked or how I got there. No, but that's that was great. A, a little track I, <laughs> I, yeah. I went down, and so I think a lot of a lot of new guys come in, and what far surpasses technical knowledge is raw feeling and talent, mm. and a lot of guys that just pushing the faders up with without doing anything, they create something that has something special. Interesting. You know, and. Wow. Uh, and and so other guys, like I remember bumping into a guy one time at a thing, a presentation I did one time, and he had bought, ah, oh, what's the name of it? Oh, it's a like a seven or twelve thousand dollar reverb unit, uh-huh. a Brecasting. He bought a Brecasting. Yeah. yeah. And he had bought the actual hardware box, and he sent me some mixes he had done, and I said to him, dude, honestly, the Brecasting. Oh, and he was talking to me about spending you know several thousand dollars on some uh-huh. converters some really high-end converters and i said trust me none of that is what you need right now you need to <laughs> lead into your creative aspects that that isn't going that might make your mix 0.001 percent better what's going to make your mix 20 percent better is listening to where the vocal's sitting Mm. you know is is how is your wife hearing that Mm. how is you know the lady down the road the kids like they're not listening to certain spatial depths they don't really care about any of that no they care you know and somebody another person once said to me and i've repeated this a million times i think it's super important is you know musicians which is what i was i was a piano player keyboard player yeah and and i always look from that perspective musicians tend to focus on their instrument or their their tones like their guitar tone or their bass tone or their snare sound or the hi-hat or the beat the way the beat's hitting and all that Mm -hmm. the consumer and the purchaser of music is listening primarily to the vocal interesting to the lyric how it makes them feel beat would be second and the tones of the instrument, they're so low on their radar of what <laughs> makes the song appeal to them. Yeah. Wow. Very rarely does it have much impact on them at all. And so we spend all this time working on stuff that isn't important in many ways. And, and a lot of, you know, I mean, you've got to ask yourself what's music about and what's mm. it for, for you. Mm. And for me, I felt like it was a, great way to put a message to communicate something to influence people because 
yeah. it's emotional and it's also intellectual. You know, there's, there's so many parts to it. It's spiritual. There's so many things. It's, it has a great power. It impacted me. And so that's what I wanted to do with it. And yet you get into these rabbit holes of what is the guitar tone wow. and yeah. the drum tone. And, um, you know, that's where I think, you know, the people who are the most successful, especially in Christian music, is all about who's Billy Graham about their message. Mm. That's cool. You know, that's, that's what matters. And I don't want to cast dispersions on any of some acts I've worked with could care less about their production values. Yeah. I mean, they want it to feel good, but they're so focused on what they're saying. Yeah. That's on good. the lessons and, and, and Christian music, the successful Christian music is that way. Wow. You know, and so a lot of people want to bag Christian music for being low on production values and all that kind of stuff. And, and sure, we should be good on production values, but primarily it's a message. Absolutely. It's not a style. It's not an engineering technique. It's none of that. It's a message, number one. And stick with that. So as you're engineering and mixing, remember that and it will help guide you on your vocal rides, on your That's presentation so of, the, of the mix. Wow. You know, that's great. Man. Um, what matters. Yeah. So would you say um, it's just an experience thing where you mix so much that you can finally kind of hear this thing in a more global way? You know, when you're first starting out, I mean, this is how I felt anyways, and I'm, I'm still learning, but I was just so involved with the plugins and tweaking everything that I was so zoomed in on the audio that I wasn't really getting this global feel of what the song was trying to do. Right. And I find the more and more I mix, I'm able to almost not close my eyes, but I'm just, how is this making me feel, you know, and right. forget about whether a plugin is clipping. It doesn't matter. I mean, if it sounds great, then go with it. Right. Right. The ends justify the means. It's, it's, yeah. it's what I say about that. Like that mute math record, the ends justified the means. Um, it didn't mm. matter that everything was clipping because it felt amazing. Yeah. And it yeah. is amazing T today. You know, to, you still talk to people about influential records. That's one that has had a lot of influence. And yet, wow. so yeah, the, the higher the view, the better. Like I'm always trying to step back and look from a high view. Yeah. You know, um, what is, and I, Becky is a kind of a, you know, a character that Christian, the Christian music industry has kind of characterized their demographic uh -huh. at radio is, is Becky. She's the soccer mom, the one who wants her kids to listen to Christian music uh -huh. and who wants, you know, high value, good value music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm always trying to put myself in Becky's shoes. How is this going to impact her? And, and there are mixed moves that make a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we do have as mixers and, an influence in that sphere. Of course, a lot of those choices and decisions and uh, um, are made prior in the yeah. songwriting, in the production and all that kind of stuff. But we can clear the production up wow. um, in a way that, that will make the message more impactful, even if it's only a few percent. And like you said, the high view is the big thing. It's yeah. not about whether the plugin's flipping. It's not about the... I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I spend a lot of time Gain staging trying yeah. <laughs> to yeah right get get the you know obviously that's the job is to get the yeah. balance right yeah. is to get everything pushing against each other to feel good um and and yeah the more you do it 
the faster you get to it. And I feel like I'm constantly trying to get to a more macro view yeah. of the mix and not the micro view. I feel like I start out at the beginning dealing with all the micro stuff. Yep. And you kind of have to, you know, go through each track, filter it correctly, compress it correctly, or in a good way, in a way that feels good. Yeah. And then you start, you know, and you're slowly adding the thing, you're building this mix. But you've got to kind of have an overview. In fact, the very first thing I do in mix process is yeah. I just listen to the track. I make sure I get a rough. 100%. Like the first thing, I, if you send me a multi-track, the first thing I'll ask you is, can I have your rough, please? I.e. Yeah. the thing that you approved, the artist approved, A&R approved. I need the rough. I need to hear what people liked. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because there's usually some goodness and gold in that that you can draw from. And um, so then I get a feel for the song. What's the song about? What is it? You know, where's the sonic space that, that might work for this? You know, how's it going to communicate? What's the stylings? What do people do in this kind of genre that have, that works? Uh -huh. um, and, you know, sometimes I'll go out and listen to music. It's almost like, method acting yeah you know sometimes i get especially in urban area in urban and more programmed music you've got to kind of get a get a, a method act you know <laughs> find out what people are listening to and what what uh what's working in that genre yeah and so get the get the big picture and then as you're adding the tracks you're adding it with that mindset um you know interesting yeah, yeah, but I cool. do remember a mix guy once said to me, in fact, the guy I learned from um, on the SSL back in the day, he would say to me, um, look, people go, you know, people want all this expensive outboard gear. I'll just mix with nothing but the SSL. In fact, <laughs> I, you know, I don't even need reverb. I just need compression. Yeah. Give me some room mics and compression and that's, that's reverb. Uh, you know, or even like one delay, I'll mix with one delay. Like, because in those days, people, reverb was the kind of the leading edge. People yeah. had already kind of conquered, you know, you had 1176s and Fairchilds and the onboard. You had lots of good compression and EQ, but reverb was in its infancy as far as especially digital reverb goes. Wow. Um, so was that and like so Phil was, when all the big, big gated toms <laughs> and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, in the in the oh, I mean, reverbs is a whole history lesson. We're so privileged now to have yeah. the things we have. In those days, reverb was a lot harder than it is now. Um, wow, you know, yeah. Anyway, that's all other. <laughs> that's <up>. awesome, man. <laughs> well, hey, what are some? I mean, I listen to your records. I go back and listen to them, and dude, I just I just think you're such a killer mixer. And I'm wondering for a guy that's starting out. How can I, how can I or somebody else create a vibe? What's what's the key? You get the tracks, you know, you get your multi tracks loaded in the Pro Tools. What do you? What's your mindset for creating a vibe in the mix? Are there some go tos, or is it just an experience thing, or how do you inject vibe into the mix? Um, that's that's a good question. I, I don't know that I necessarily think in those terms and I'm trying to work out what terms I do think that gives the result that you're talking about. I, I, 
there's so many important parts of the mix, but Mm -hmm. one thing I will say is I have this argument with myself. Should I use the same chain for each mix, you know, or do I need to come up, you know, from original chains for each mix? Well, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a bit in the middle because what happens is you become very familiar with plugins, yeah. you know, with, with certain chains, how they interact, how they work. And it doesn't happen in one mix. It happens over a period of time. So you really evolve a certain sound by using certain chains, um, you know, and so <laughs> like waves and a lot of these guys, they put together these plugins that are artist series and uh-huh. it's, it's the essential chain that this guy has used for years. Well, I've kind of evolved a little on that in terms of I have now with Pro Tools, the preset list is just, uh, no, it's wow. not called presets. What's it, what's it called? Track presets or something? Yeah, track track presets. Yeah. Um, I don't even think about it. I just use it. <laughs> but yeah. um, track, track presets has kind of been a game changer for me because what I've been able to do is when I've, when I've had a chain that I like and is working for me, I'm able to save it. So I've got, you know, four or five vocal, basic vocal chains, Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with how it was tracked. I find that the certain vocal chains I use, if it was tracked by certain people, it's uh-huh. just going to destroy the vocal. Wow. But then there's other people, other, you know, other tracking chains that people have used that when I use that chain is magic. Wow. So I think, the same thing isn't good always, but having, and I guess this comes down to, you know, my tool bag is deep because yeah. I'm old. <laughs> I've got, I've got lots of tools in the bag that I gathered yeah. from through time and be, by being pushed by guys who are perfectionists like Ted T. Ted yeah. T is my biggest, and I don't work with him all the time at all. I only work with him a little here and there. But every time I work with him, he's always pushing hard mm. and he's asking me to do things that I've never done. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. I've been in this business a long time. I've never done that, <laughs> but I will try it. And I think yeah. that's, I, oh, there's, there's a couple of things I would say to guys starting out. Number one, criticism is your best friend. Mm. If someone will take the time and if you can push them to get that critique out of them, it it says first of all, I care enough to give you the criticism to give you the criticism because if you just suck so hard, I'm not even going to give you the time of the day. Yeah, for sure. So it's actually a compliment to get criticism. Um, it's not personal. Yep. But listen to it, and I've I've kind of gone to the point of okay, let me start again and try it in a whole different way sometimes. You know, if I get to, if I get to what I think is good and the person doesn't like it, yeah. you know, I've got to, you've, I've got, first of all, reference is extremely important. Like I say, the rough, but then also other things out there in the world. Cause sometimes the roughs are terrible to yeah. be honest. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, uh, they're not good. And so you need some other frame of reference um, that, that, that they like yeah. that will help zone you into the right place. Um, so finding a vibe, I think, has something to do with reference. It also has to do with um, uh, developing chains that you like. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that that you have 
gotten intimate with. Um, and then if it's not working, not being afraid to go with some, try some new things or go with other chains, save your, save chains that have worked for you. It's yeah. funny. Some of the chains I have saved that have worked on certain mixes, I've never been able to get to work on anything else again. <laughs> Another, the other thing is the two bus. The, the two bus is, ex especially in today's age, is extremely important. Mm. I didn't understand it at the beginning of my career, but now the further I go, the more I realize, you know, at the beginning of my career, people, a lot of people would ask me the question I would ask, well, do you mix with anything on your two bus? <laughs> of course, in this day and age, everybody does. Mm -hmm. But in those days, we're still working out the whys. You know, yeah. people hadn't solved a lot of this. And, and what I realized was I would get stuff back from mastering and I'd listen to my mix that I sent to mastering and think, holy cow, what did they do? Just destroyed. It's yeah. destroyed. Yeah. And so what I realized was I really needed to mix at the level that it would be mastered to in terms of, you know, having a limiter or compression and stuff on the two bus is this is extremely important that your mix sounds close to a master. Mm. So there's no surprises when it is mastered. Yeah, that's good. Um, How loud do you, you send know? out your mixes to clients? Oh, I send them at a full level. I send them at so that, and, and then, and this is a, you, you've got to have a lot of trust before I will take the two bus limiter off and send it to somebody because yeah. you put it in an iTunes list or you, you play it against a bunch of other material and it's way softer. Louder always feels better. Yeah. It sounds 100%. better to people. Yeah. Right. So you've got to be at the loudness that they are a being other material with. Yeah. And that does create some difficulty because this whole thing about vibe and feeling some types of music certainly do not tolerate being that loud. Mm. Um, you know, the, the dynamics are gone yeah. and uh, this is a little battle I have. There are certain producers I work with that completely see way past how loud it is. There's yeah. others I work with who cannot, um, <laughs> who, for whom it has to be loud. So, but I always find it's best to start, start loud at an equivalent at an equivalent loudness. Mm -hmm. And then if they're concerned about dynamics, say, okay, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull the two bus down a bit. We're going to let it breathe some more. Um, and, you know, just be aware that when you AB it with other stuff, it's not going to be as loud. And usually at that point, if you've had that conversation, it's okay. Everybody's yeah. cool. And then you get the mix you want. That's awesome, man. You know, that everybody wants. Mm. That's great. So going back to, you said you use track presets all the time. So in order for those track presets to work really well, do you clip gain all your uh, individual tracks so they hit that preset well before you start uh, mixing or? Uh, depends. A lot of, because the, uh, how can I say this? There's only kind of a handful of producers that I work with regularly and their stuff, I know, you know, that, that it's been, when it's been tracked well, I don't need to do any of that. Yeah, but uh, especially sometimes in live tracking situations, you know, the gains all over the place. I do have to go through and kind of clip gain it to get it somewhere. But I'll I'll often I'll have a um, you know, my top plugins in the chain will often be gain staging. Yeah, uh, clip gain is awesome. 
Um, I love it. Yeah. It is, it is, it is a great thing. It is a great leveler for sure. I don't know. I use everything. Yeah. I use plugins to make up the loudness. I'll use clip game, whatever. Oh, it, it, when you're, when you're really in the flow of mixing, you're not really thinking about stuff like that. You just do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about mix bus, man, uh, do you mind wh- what do you have on your mix bus and what do you like to, to start with on your mix bus? You know, I am, because obviously I grew up in SSL land and I grew up with, you know, if you look at the history of mix, go back to Bob Clear Mountain is kind of uh-huh. one of the pioneers because, you know, he was mixing when the SSL, in fact, he's one of the guys who made the SSL a thing. And wow. the SSL 2 bus, has it has a bus compressor on it that is kind of uh, iconic in a way to how things sound. So I that's always present in my 2 bus. It may yeah. or may not be very active or influential. Um, I always have, now in Pro Tools, for any Pro Tools users out there, yeah. a guy from Avid told me this years ago, he said, have all your faders at Unity with loud signal. You cannot clip the two bus. You cannot clip the bus of Pro Tools. And I was like, no, yeah, the bus <laughs> clips horribly. And they said, no, no, what you're doing is you're clipping the input to your master fader. Mm. So you just keep pulling your master fader down until the until it's not red on the top. Oh, interesting. Your mark. Yeah, and at that point, you have a pure signal in your two bus. Uh, I did not you know, know that. Into your master. Yes. So the very first thing I have in my plug-in chain uh, is metering to make sure that what's coming into, because here's the thing, as soon as you put another plug-in in, you've got metering post that plug-in. So that plug-in may be hiding the clipping that's hitting the top of that two bus. Uh. So you must have, so you've got to have metering at the top of the two bus in a Pro Tools if you're mixing in the box in Pro Tools, which yeah. I do. Um, so at that point, I will have any plugin with metering and I love the fab filter um, EQs. Oh, so I'll have it because, because it's, it's graphic analyzer in real time, real time, you know, it's a real time analyzer. Yeah. Um, so Pro Q2, I've got Pro Q3. I haven't switched over to Pro Q3 on my two bus. I probably should do that. But uh, because it, because Pro Q3, for those who don't know, allows dynamics per band. Yeah, wow. Um, it's phenomenal. So if you have problems, you can just, it's almost like a multiband. Now, I don't use any multiband compression on my tuba unless I have a problem. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, my beach, my beach house is next to a fire station. Oh, no worries. <laughs> so we've got that. Um, so after the EQ, uh, real-time analyzer level monitoring, yeah, because the Pro Q2 has amazing level metering. Okay. Um, so I'm making sure I'm not clipping my two bus at the top. In fact, I have found over time that I only want to peak at about six dB, at about you know minus six from the top. Okay. In fact, yeah. even 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 going further down to minus twelve, so it, it leaves my master fader down at about minus twelve. That's right. Okay. Generally, if my master fader has to be lower than minus twelve, I lower all my faders. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ind- individual faders. I've just—it's just something I've worked with the sound of Pro Tools, the way it works. 
Um, so metering and EQ at the top, SSL, um, other plugins I've played with. I, I'm going to mention an oddball right now. Um, there's a plugin from PSP called Mix Treble. Okay. And uh, it has a great kind of pseudo widening thing on it. And nice. I use that a little. Sometimes okay. I do, sometimes I don't. It really depends on the material. It also sweetens the high end in a nice way sometimes. Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, the FGX from Slate, I will use that sometimes on the two bus. Yep. Um, again, that is a dangerous plug-in. You can absolutely trash your mix with that plug-in. <laughs> um, yeah, the ITP know, setting can trash the, your mix. Yeah, the, oh, the ITP setting, careful <laughs> with that. Gaining. I find that when, that when that metering gets up to about minus 10, your mix is starting to get destroyed, yeah. right? You know, if you've, if you've got the metering on the, I can't remember the gain knob or whatever, it gets up to about minus 10, back yeah. it down, uh, back the input even turn, you know, either pull your master fader down further or pull all the faders down further. If you're finding yourself getting into that zone with the FGX, going the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some guys run, I've seen some guys run that up as high as six, minus six. Wow. As peaks, and I, I find that works only in certain styles, like hip, certain hip hop and kind of yeah. crushed styles. Yeah, um, yeah. Then, then at the bottom, something like, um, and right now, I'm a big fan of the Pro L2 from uh, Oh yeah, from Fab Filter. Um, and then you know, Pro L2 has some different settings on it, um, some different algorithms, modern, aggressive. Um, and I tend to use flip between those two most of the time. If it's nice. something that's a bit more gentle, the transparent, or you know, it, it works pretty good for me. And uh, awesome. the big yeah, the big trick with that plugin is look ahead. If you find yourself getting it sounding a bit distorted, try moving the look ahead back. So giving more look ahead. Okay. Um, and also the attack and release on the transient connection is, is interesting to play with wow. uh, for both, both for width and distortion minimization. Uh, because, you know, music was never meant to be this loud. I say it wasn't meant to be, you know, the people who designed the dynamic range to start with, never meant for it to be this hot where we're yeah. at right now <laughs> yeah you know because zero has to be zero like people are pushing louder and louder but what what's actually happening is we're losing dynamic range so i whilst i talk about putting stuff out loud and i participate in that mm -hmm. it's something that doesn't make me happy <laughs> you know yeah. it's yeah. it's something I, i'm it's the constant battle of how do you make this feel like it's super dynamic like it's just hugely dynamic, but still be loud. Yeah, that's, that's a trick, the right? It's the constant war, you know? Yeah. Do, do you ever do any um, automation on your master fader where you pop down the verses, maybe like, you know, a DB? Yeah. Do you ever do that? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, usually the way I do it is, um, you see, and this is one thing about Pro Tools, like I said, the master fader, if you're going straight into a master fader on Pro Tools, what you've got is a, um, uh, it's a pre-fade or post-fade. I, I do my terminal. I'm way off with this. But <laughs> what, if you pull the master fader down, you're actually affecting the input into the top of the chain. 
so I tend to, I tend to not automate so much the actual level of the master fader. I might I might automate the input into the t the of the uh, Pro Two Pro Q Two, or I might automate the uh, gotcha. automate the level of the threshold on the limiter, or something like that, like something else in the chain rather than the fader itself, because I still want. I still may wish to have that processing being hit to that level for consistency. Um, but yeah, I do automate the master yeah. fader quite regularly, quite frequently. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's Absolutely. cool. Cause I've, I've been definitely doing that, but uh, I need to look at that. Right. Because I guess if I am bringing down that level, then it's changing the relationship between the mix and the compressor. Right. So that's changing my balance yep. a little bit. Right. Correct. Yeah, especially if, especially if you, you know, you say you kick and snare in your vocal and your bass are hitting the, uh, are hitting the SSL compressor. It's being bumped by all of that, and then you pull down your master fader. All of a sudden, it's not being hit, bumped as hard. So that's why I would tend to do the level of, for instance, the FGX or uh, the okay. L2 or something else uh, post that. That's awesome. So that I'm, at. yeah. Now I will say, Logic users, if you're listening to this you've got a whole different set of problems, right? <laughs> because, because the way that their gain structure works and their metering, it's, it's all floating point. And I will tell you, it is an, it is, it's a, like I've often had guys say, Oh, well, can you mix it in logic? I'll send you the session in logic and you start where my mix is and fix it. And I have done that a few times, uh -huh. but when I, when I get into understanding that when I get into the bus related stuff, I'm like, Oh man, you guys, it's reacts so differently to logic. Wow. It's, it's like, it's like trying to tell an emotional story in French. It's not my first language. <laughs> it's, it's, I can't do it. It's not going to be as good, you know? That's awesome. So, Man. you know, and that's, that's, that's another thing I would say to guys, don't, you know, stick with the language, you know, like don't, mm. you know, switching apps is a huge thing. It's not just, like if you're just starting out, you can switch around and see what you like. But yeah. but once you've gotten with something, I mean, all of these guys have been around a long time. They're going to be around a long time. They're going to innovate. There may be small things or innovations that the other platform got to first. Yeah. But 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 in the scheme of things, I bet you it doesn't make any difference yeah. to whether your mix is great or not. Yeah, you know, it's true. Off offline bouncing, Logic had it for years. I uh -huh. had to bounce everything in real time. I had to pay guys to come in and bounce on my stems in real time <laughs> because I didn't have it. And now I've got offline. You know, we got there eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. Man, there's there's a huge debate. Everybody talks about Pro Tools and Logic sounding different, and some people say it doesn't. And I want to hear your opinion. I think I know what you're going to say. Abs it absolutely does sound different. Yeah. Um, I will say this pure audio engineering is much harder in logic wow. because, because now let me, let me say this. I would like to see somebody who uses logic, not allow the lights to go red on their tracks because here's something I found in pro tools years ago. I didn't care about that. I just let everything go red. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I listened back to those mixes and, and, you know, harking back a little bit to what we said, they felt good, yeah. but they could have felt better because I was introducing undesirable distortions into it. I wonder what it would have sounded like without that. But mm. that said, 
once I started working out, you know, I got better and better and better at it. I started realizing that the less of that distortion I had and the more kind of analog introduced intentionally distortion, the better I, it was doing. Um, now, when it comes to logic, um, I'm getting, you know, when I get sessions from guys in logic, it's pegged. I mean, there's no daylight in any meter. Right now, if somebody if somebody would do some proper audio engineering in Logic, uh-huh. I would like to hear what it would sound like. I don't feel like I've heard anybody do a mix in Logic with proper engineering. Interesting. I don't know if it's the way that the metering is designed. I've often thought, you know, one day when I feel like, because I actually love Logic. Um, yeah, I, I used it for years as a programmer. Um, and you know, before I started mixing, I, I would produce acts in logic, um, and then move it out to a multi-track or run it in sync with a multi-track because it was still tape based. We'd run it in sync. So all the programming oh, wow. and some of the audio would come off logic, but the drums and stuff would all be tracked on a sync tape machine because you didn't have cool. track counts in those days. Oh, but, wow. but have it, but so I, so I grew up with logic when it was really hard to use, by the way, it was super hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was a geeky, it was a very geeky program. So, but here's what I would say. I've, I've seen my multi-tracks mixed by guys in Logic, the very same multi-tracks. I've heard the same things come back. Now, they're different sets of ears. I tend to hear things a lot more uh, clearly. Like, I want to hear things more clearly and not as mushy uh-huh. yeah. or kind of blurred. Yeah. I don't like the blur. I haven't liked the blurred lines as much. I want to identify the pieces in the mix. Yeah. And I find that on the whole, logic is not, it doesn't sound as good if you want clarity, if you want definition. Logic does work well in certain ways. It's a softer sound. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, I, I'm just, <laughs> you know. I'm just giving you my my perspectives yeah. on material I, and, and from what I think I, because my ears and the way I tend to process things in Pro Tools would tend to leave it in a certain state. But I've heard other guys say that. So I come to that conclusion. Um, and I think on the whole, the best engineers, the guys who really uh, want to be precise with their audio end up uh-huh. in Pro Tools. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's that's cool, man. I mean, <laughs> try to try to get somebody in Logic to edit drums with with sample accuracy. Oh, that's or, a nightmare. You know, yeah. it's, it's 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 really hard. And trust me, I tried. I've yeah. tried because, like I say, I love and Gerhard Lengling. He's the guy who wrote um, Logic, who started this company called uh, C Lab, which became E Magic. I remember which that was yeah. which which was then purchased by Apple. You know, he is an absolute genius. He's way beyond any of us and understands all these things I'm talking about and really kind of made the choice that that sample accurate or, you know, really deep dive audio editing was less important to the creative process. Mm. And I think he's probably right. But for me, I like the Pro Tools. I want to be able to... I'll tell you, when you when, when I show Logic guys drawing the pencil tool to draw out a digital... I did, I did that the other day because I saw, I think I followed you on Facebook and I saw you do a demonstration one day and I never forgot mm. that. And I had a digital, well, I don't even know. It was just digital clip or whatever. 
did what you were saying, yeah. used a pencil tool and just drew it out and it was gone, man. Incredible. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a mirror. It's, it's a miracle. And there are, there are plugins now that kind of have automated that process to a degree, but I'll tell you, drawing it is always better. Yeah. Than the, than the plugin doing it. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah. Well, hey, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I got a couple more questions, if that's cool. Go for um, it. Man, one thing that I think a lot of people struggle with is getting a good relationship between the kick and the bass. Do you have any tips for making them live together happy? <laughs> um, I would say if this podcast has comments, let me know what uh, anybody listening, tell me how you do it. Because yeah. I will tell you that that is, that's an ongoing battle, and it's not. Yeah. There's not a. There's not a simple answer. It's it's almost like, you know, every song has its own, is its own animal. Um, mm. You know, the, the fundamental frequencies of where the bass is hitting and where the kick is hitting, are um, different. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's so diverse. There's no <laughs> easy answer. Yeah, uh, I I tend to be I tend to say this, and a lot of the music I mix these days is the subtrack. You know, the yeah. subtrack is running with the bass guitar, and that's a whole other dynamic because generally bass guitars tend to be slightly higher in frequency than the kick. Yeah. You know, the kicks will be putting out thirty hertz to sixty hertz to eighty hertz, depending on where it's tuned. Yeah, And so it's got, you know, there's a lot of bump and movement down there. And then the bass guitar will tend to be a little higher than that unless they're using a five string and they're really going down low. Yeah. But by the way, I would, I would say this to a lot of people, especially when it comes to radio, understand that the FM broadcasting um, technology doesn't transmit those low frequencies. So you've, it's got to kind of work. If you put a high pass on your mix at 80 Hertz, yeah, it's got to work like that. All that stuff down in the 60 to 40 to 20, you know, I see people winding up 20 and I'm like, okay, there was a 36 inch EV speaker a few years ago that was, that you could put in a big box and it kind of produced 20 Hertz. And what it produced is just basically wind. Wow. Nobody else can <laughs> produce that. Like, forget that. I actually yeah. high pass my entire mix up to 30 Hertz. I high wow. pass it. That's because awesome. no, but nobody has any way. No AirPods can produce it. You know. Yeah. What sort of slant? What sort of slant oh, are you doing like a, on that? Just like a twelve dB slope. Yeah. At, at, so my Pro Q, my my uh, Pro, yeah, Pro Q two at the top will have the first frequency is just high pass. Yeah. Um, because anything below that you're not hearing, but it's screwing with your mix. Mm. It's screwing with your mix. You can't hear it. Nobody can reproduce it. It's just yeah. screwing with the mix. Now, a lot of stuff is actually has the filtering built in, like the microphones, the, uh, the electronics, but there are some um, synthesizers do not often have that filtered wow. out. And some of the pitch shifting that people are doing is not filtering that out. So be careful, folks. <laughs> Kids, <Wow>. don't <laughs> use those frequencies. So um, getting the bass relationship right and the sub right, I, it, it, I think a lot of some of it comes down to how it's pushing on the two bus. Yeah. You, know, you just got to keep moving those faders and a little bit of those two compressing against each other. You know, when the kick is bumping the compressor and pushing the bass down a little bit is part of what makes it bump and work. Right. Ah, so, yeah. but, but getting that right per song is very important. And so that's why I say like, I, 
unless you really need sub sonic bass frequencies in your mix don't be too concerned about that yeah let your bass speak more in the 80 100 hertz and let your kick speak more in lower and and then they will bump together now i'm talking for traditional acoustic yeah. you know as soon as you get into electronic you know throw the rule book out there is no rule book <laughs> just you know i listen to i listen to some of that urban stuff and it's so side-chained yeah. you know like they'll let the kick side-chain the entire two bus yeah with a whole two bus is just dis- collapsing on every <laughs> kick hit and and that's kind of how they want it and then the end then they get the 808s that are com- you know a combined pitch and uh-huh. kick in the same thing <laughs> like crazy. Oh. So it, it's all crazy. None of it's wrong. That's like I say, the ends justify the means. I really don't care how you get there, but let it push hard on the two bus is one thing I would say. Yeah, that's mm. great, man. Well, hey, what are you, what's your go-to for a vocal chain? You know, if the first thing um, you will go to. I, again, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, back in the day, I was a big fan of McDSP. I used them on every mix with the uh-huh. E. They've got the, the filter bank. And I yeah. would I would use that, um, but the convenience of the real time an- analysis with uh, Pro Q two and of course it's kind of unlimited band with the fab filter you just keep adding more, uh-huh. you know. And now with Pro Q three where you can put some dynamics on it, that's kind of the top of my chain. I, I again yeah. filter before you compress because pops, all that kind of stuff is going to drive a compressor and take all the frequencies down with it. But if you can take, mm. you know, filter that stuff out first. So that's my first protocol is some EQ. Yeah. And then I'll use some um, compression and, oh man, see, this is where my, my chain goes all over the place. Yeah. Um, I've used, I, I, I like the um, Focusrite, which is a, I think it's free with the Pro Tools these days. Focus right, the red focus right. Yeah, well, see, now I owned those boxes in real life Uh when they were real, so I knew them before I entered the digital land. So, um, I use I've used a bunch of the waves, um, artist series, I've tried them out. Uh huh. The Maserati one, I actually really like the VX one from Maserati. I mess with that sometimes, I tend to turn the effects off. Yep. Um, but just just use the the compressor knob and the high frequency and the low frequency is fun to mess with on that. And I will give credit to Jordan Malowski for making me use that one time. And I kind of was like, nice. "Wow, that's really interesting." Um, and I've tried them all, the different artist series. And then there's the Abbey Road compressors. I've used those. Yeah. Um, the analog channel from um, from McDSP is still pretty much the last thing on every one of my um, things. A lot of guys say stick analog channel on the top of every channel of every track. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not that guy, but I do use analog channel quite a bit. I find it's, it undigifies it a little bit, undigitizes yeah. it a little bit. It does dirty it up just enough. Although that Maserati plugin's got tons of dirt in it. Yeah. Um, and, and often I have to, remove it and go with some clearer uh the cl1 um from uh you know the uad tube tech mm-hmm. model again so a product good. that i loved in the real world and and it, it is good 
now with my portable rig, I'm tending to only use that if I really need to clean up something mm. uh, because I, because I've got very limited UAD resources, uh-huh. uh, which I'm happy with. I don't think I need UAD to be a great, you know, to do a good job. Um, so that, that's kind of my vocal chain. Now I will say this, I'm more of a believer in verbs and delays and everything being on buses and shared. And, and that's kind of goes all the way back to my SSL days where that's the way I grew up. You know, the modern way people are sticking reverbs straight on the, you know, on the vocal channel and, and, and delays and stuff straight on the vocal channel. And Uh you see these logic guys with 15 plugins. (laughs) <laughs> on their vocal tr- channel mate why don't you just you know you could have put that on a bus and shit because then they'll copy that across to every vocal track right yeah, i'm like yeah. you could have just put that on a bus and uh, now yeah. having having fought against that for years and tried to use buses i have realized that it's sitting on the channel works differently in the mix in the two bus compression than mm. it does on a bus and so sometimes there's a certain level of wetness and feeling of the verb that you can only get by sticking it on straight on the track and not on a bus. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. One thing I've noticed too is, uh, you know, if you have all your effects on the actual channel, um, sometimes I find that the effects are what is making my mix muddy. And so if I have yeah. all of my effects going to its own uh, submix, then I can actually EQ that separately and clear out some mud if the mix is getting muddy there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, that is one of the reasons I do resist putting it straight on the track. Yeah. Um, it's mostly verb that I sometimes find putting it straight on the vocal yeah, it's just changing the blend, and most of the verbs have um, EQ built into them, so you can yeah. do, you know, higher pass and stuff, and then the mix, obviously the mix knob. But on the whole, I prefer to have it all on the bus. So when you talk about vocal chain, you know, then I've got all the effects, and uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Echo Farm. Um, oh yeah, re- Revive, TL Space, uh, you know, all of the you know, modeling plugins. Um, I've actually really enjoyed, oh, now I can't think of the name of it. It's Slate Distribute. Um, Is it? Uh, the lustrous, lustrous Plates. Oh, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. They're actually really useful. I find I'm using them a lot on drums and some on vocals. Yeah, that's um, So, yeah, but Revive, for anybody who owns Pro Tools, Revive is a spectacular plugin. It's so powerful. Uh-huh. Um, very, very clear. You can make it as clear or dirty as you want, but um, but all of my buses have EQ and compression on the effects return buses. Okay. Gotcha. You know, I've actually never used that plugin. Yeah, Revive. It's a great you can just start with the presets and mess with it. I've yeah. made a bunch of my own presets. In fact, I shared some of them on social media. I gave some of them away. Uh-huh. Just like there's a massive verb, which is kind of like Valhalla vintage verb. Oh, so good. Um, that I, I made a preset for the revive that's like the Valhalla before Valhalla was ever out. Uh-huh. And, and when it came out and I listened to it, I thought, wow, that sounds just like my massive verb. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's and, but, funny. But, but a little clearer just a little clearer. Gotcha. Yeah. So mm. if you're trying to get a mix just a little dirtier, what are your go-tos? Are you using like, you know, Decapitator oh. and Sansamp and stuff like that? Or what oh are your yeah, all of, 
yeah all of those i will say this if you're trying to make your base work yeah going back to the previous question sans amp killer because it actually it actually eradicates the sub stuff wow the, the okay. extraneous sub stuff is eradicated from it. you still have the three distortion knobs i can't remember the middle one's punch and crunch and then yep. the lowest one i can't remember what it's called but the lowest one is kind of the low end part of it yeah but sans amp is spectacular on bass i tend i find it's too much for other stuff uh-huh. but decapitator and devil lock are yeah i i will stick them on half the tracks in my mix <laughs> in the end and i will say this when when i've had uh i especially remember uh, mark from casting crowns and you know that he's like i want my vocal to be just a little dirt on it and i'm like well I'm going to put something on your vocal. I don't want you to be offended because he's uh-huh. sitting there watching me, right? Uh-huh. And up comes Devil Lock and he says, you fucking devil on my vocal? <laughs> That's hilarious, <laughs> you know? man. I'm like, well, I hopefully you can get past the name of it. It's actually based on an old Shure um, leveling device, a broadcast leveling device oh, wow. that when you, when you abused it, it got distorted. So, um, yeah. And I remember that back in the day thinking, what a stupid piece of hardware. And now I love it. Wow. That's <laughs> amazing, know? man. One of my go-tos. Because it's got the mix knob. You have to get Devil Lock Deluxe. And yeah, uh, a lot of those uh, plugins from Sound Toys, you've got to get the Deluxe version to get the mix knob. You need the mix knob. And if you combine Devil Lock, oh, and same with Decapitator, using the um, Darkness yeah. Uh, use darkness and the mix knob combined for uh-huh. instance on an on an organ uh that for instance what was perhaps a uh a digital organ that someone recorded it didn't sound anything like a b3 yeah. but they're trying to sound like a b3 <laughs> put the devil lock on it make it dark put the mix back to like you know i don't know 20 percent or whatever the knob is um and just keep pushing the crunch up and you'll be like what it's actually doing is just distorting the low frequencies not the high distort not the high Uh digitally sounding distortion it's that warm speaker thing that happens with a leslie speaker Uh, it's 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 the low frequency fuzz just that part of the sound is distorted so yeah i mean that's that's two go-tos there's waves have some new distortion plugins out that i'm I've been playing with and I do like, they haven't become my go-to yet, but that's kind of on the leading edge of my new things to try. Yeah, totally. So, mm. well, Dude. Okay. So, you know, all these new engineers and producers and songwriters that get into this, I mean, we don't do this for a Grammy, but you know, it's, it, it would be nice. And I'm just curious, what is when you, when you first got your Grammy, did it change your mindset? Were you like, man, I've, I feel validated. How did, did that change anything for you? Or were you kind of always going towards that or what, you know? Um, here's what I would say. And this is a much bigger life question. Whatever that thing is that you really want in your life is not going to give you satisfaction. Mm. Wow. <laughs> um, until, you know, as a Christian, I'm, kind, I'm, I'm more of the belief that, um, you know, higher spiritual values that Jesus talked about actually are far more fulfilling in matter. Mm. And, you know, I've kind of, my wife tells me I'm having a midlife crisis right now, but it's kind <laughs> of actually been going on. It's kind of actually been going on for years and years. And it's kind of really reexamining what matters. 
Mm. And it kind of started in 2014 when I got the Grammy for, for King and Country. Yeah. Um, I was riding high. Yeah. I was, the Grammy was a bonus, an unexpected thing. I mm-hmm. was the only person from the Fakir Country team that was actually there when it was announced, and it was a, a my it was it was an emotional experience that I've never had wow. before because it was unexpected. Yeah. Um, but what I found as time went by was, um, it's kind of a two-edged sword. Um, it was, it was kind of a back of my mind goal, but not an expected goal to have a Grammy one day. Um, but I think with, as with all things in life, you've got to find things that actually really matter in the long term. Mm. and having a Grammy doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) you know, on your, on your tombstone or your legacy, I mean, there's some kind of legacy, but there's a song I mixed for, um, for casting crowns called, um, only Jesus, I think. And the chorus starts out. Uh, basically, it's, I don't care about legacy. I don't want to leave a legacy. I just want to be known. It, it's, it's only Jesus. That's what matters. Legacy wow. doesn't matter. Mm. And, and that's, that's so counter to the world's values. And so, you know, when you talk about Grammys and things like that, they're nice. And I think that they are great things to uh, honour yeah. uh, those who are doing great things. Um, it is a great community thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the Grammy thing at all, but yeah. what I am saying is no matter where you're at in your career, uh, always be analyzing what you think is going to give you satisfaction. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously most people will say, I oh, know it's not things. I know yeah. things aren't going to bring me happiness. And yet we live our lives like they will. Wow. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm constant, I'm challenging myself on that all the time. Um, and trying to re you know, reevaluate, uh, those things. I mean, the happiest people on the world that I've ever met are little kids playing in poverty on the street in Calcutta. Mm. Wow. They're just happy. Yeah. You know, unbelievable. And so, so yeah, Grammy's not going to make you happy is the first thing I'll say. And basically very little will until you find the values that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes, in, in all of the things he spoke about. Mm. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of more the secret wow. to happiness and happiness and success. You know, people often think success will bring happiness. No. What, yeah. what, what what's your measure of success? Mm. You know? So, so I, I just put that out. Of, I just put that out as a challenge because for me, I never really worked. It, it was an accidental thing that happened. Yeah. Wow, just on crazy. the side and it just brought some extra joy, you know? Wow, mm. man. For uh, a moment. Yeah, totally. That's, that's such a good thought, man. Do you have any advice for an up and comer that is, uh, you know, struggling to kind of break into the scene and, you know, does location matter? What should he be doing, you know, to, to really try to get his foot in the door? Well, you know, as somebody who's kind of, unplugged from location yeah (laughs) i will say location does matter yeah um but what matters more than location is relationship and relationship kind of needs location to start with yeah so so you know i've i've often and by the way anybody who's in nashville you're starting out in your career 
feel free to look me up, message me. If I don't respond, I'm sorry. If I do, and I will hang out. Well, let's hang out, and uh, you know, I'll take you to coffee and we'll chat. Yeah. Um, but 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 the the one thing I will tend to hammer them with is relationships. Um, and I say this as somebody who's not done it well. Mm. Um, there are other guys in town, and I have huge respect for Sean Moffat, who has developed relationships that are so deep. The amount of guys who say to me, he's my best friend in the world, um, <laughs> you know, is, is pretty incredible. And I, oh. I, I give him credit for that I, because it's genuine. I'm not talking about it being fake or anything, but, but uh, you've got to be genuine and it's difficult for those who aren't extroverts Yeah, yeah. to, you know, to, that's a very formidable, you know, formidable thing. So, and, and I don't really see myself as an, I, I see myself as a one-on-one guy. I'm good yeah. with one-on-ones, but get in a large group. I'm, I'm a little more, you know, that's not as comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but the more you can hang with the people that are creating, you know, they could be bands, they could be producers, they could, you know, writers, whatever it is, you've got to start out doing stuff for nothing. Mm. Hey, could, could I, could I um, have a go at mixing that multi-track? Yeah. You know, would, would you mind if I had a go at it? Yeah. And eventually you get to a point where you do something and the person goes, dang, hey, we'll use it. And, and yeah, you, you yeah. always do it from the perspective of, look, I'm going to mix it for nothing. If you use it, pay me. If you don't, don't. Yeah. You know, um, but at least I got to learn along the way on a good quality multi-track. Yeah. Um, you know, so just build up relationships and trust in that way. And I mean, sometimes that happens by the people, the guys you meet at church. Yeah. Sometimes it's by going to gigs. A lot of the guys start out by going to gigs. Of course, in this whole COVID time, who knows how this is going to look like? I know. I mean, what a what wow. an absolute mess. I was I saying to my wife the other day, Man. she's like, you need to get, you need to go start having coffee with your buddies again. And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We're all yeah. stuck. I know. It's rough. Can, all the relationship thing is the suffering. And then when you're, you know, when you're in my position in life, I'm just, I, I prefer to work than have relationship. That's a mistake. Yeah. I should be doing more relationship, mm. way more of it. And so I say that to everybody starting out, do more relationship. My relationship with the King and Country's father mm. and then the kids themselves is what has me doing that work. Wow. It, it wasn't because I was the best mixed planet guy on the planet. Yeah. I just worked with Jolie making hundreds of demos yeah. and eventually that relationship built to a point where they trust me. They know how to communicate yeah. with me. They know how to get from me what they want because we're, we've developed a relationship over time. Mm. And I will tell you this, develop relationships with people who aren't famous. Yeah. Guys who are starting out Yeah, like yourself, because some of them will go on and be successful. Some of them won't. But you, oh, this is another thing I say, you know, don't do it for fame because fame will let you down. Do it because you love the creative process. You love the music. You mm. love the message. Do it for much higher values than any of that. Keep, keep asking yourself that each time you make a choice about what you're going to work on and what you're not. Uh, each connection oh. you make, you know, often you, in the back of your mind might be the thing, oh, why should, you know, I can't be bothered with this person because they yeah. can't give me anything yeah mistake that whenever uh -huh. you feel that in yourself yeah kick yourself in the tail and double down with that person <laughs> yeah 
Totally. Because they are a valuable human being that have something. Yeah. That's what I'm just, I'm just saying relationship. Number one. That's so good, man. Well, dude, Hey, thank you so much, you know, for being so generous with your time. And also I want to thank you. You really, uh, open the door to me, you know, like, uh, I called you up and we kind of knew each other through, um, who was it through Lucas Perry, right? Yeah. Lucas Perry. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and you just had me over and I was asking questions about mixing and then you, you know, called up Ed cash and hooked me up with those guys. So I just, I'm really grateful for that. And I, I really, really thank you, man. It's really, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. I I'm glad that worked out and that was something to do. And those relationships have helped you, right? Relationships. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All that relationship stuff. Yeah. It really. Is. So, um, well, thanks mate. I appreciate, uh, you doing this and I hope uh, anybody that listened has picked something up and learned something. Absolutely, man. Good. How can people get up with you? Just on Instagram? Facebook, um, or? Yeah. Just follow Instagram. I, dude, I wish I knew my handle. <laughs> I can't remember what I'll it is. It. If you just, I'll post just, it. Yeah. Just, okay, you post it. It's I think it's just at Ainsley Grosser, um, or Ainsley G. Yeah. Uh, Facebook and then uh, yeah, Facebook. Just search me. They can add me there if they want. Awesome. I pretty much anybody who's got uh, gear in their profile or you know that they're into yeah. audio mixing or they're a writer or anything, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna add them. Awesome. You know. Awesome. Right. Thank you so much, Ainsley. Have a great day. And, All right. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you real soon. All right. Take later, care. Man. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye.